0: the spiritual freedom show with richard lawrence where politics is not the answer materialism counts for nothing and spirituality will set you free I'm Richard Lawrence and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body Mind Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network and Oneness Talk Radio. Well, welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show again. And today I'm delighted to say we're joined uh, once more by Paul Nugent. He's lectured on the teachings of the Ethereum Society for over, well over 20 years. Television, radio, universities, churches, other venues. Uh, The last few years of Dr. King's life, Paul was very closely one of those who was at his side, helping him in a very difficult period of uh, Dr. King's life. Uh, in, uh, mainly at his residence in Santa Barbara. Uh, he's been active in interfaith in the United States. He served as a board member of the Southern California Committee for the Parliament of World Religions. He's a fellow international director of the Aetherius Society uh, and with me. And today he's going to be talking about an extract from The Seventh Freedom. So let's listen to that extract delivered by Mars Sector 6 through Dr. George
1: King. He learns the greatness of the great. Uh, to him, the divine is reflected uh, through his masters upon Saturn. He would rather give up even. His present freedom and be cast into the lowest terrestrial astral realms than disobey his masters by even a glance, by even a glance
2: this passage has always stuck out to me for for all kinds of reasons he learns the greatness of the great it, it because this is it's just where one begins to appreciate what one is a part of it just gets more and more incredibly in a way almost unbelievable but at the same time real and beautiful i remember You know, the master one saying that it's not the bad ones who frighten him. It's the great ones, because they just fill one with awe. They filled him with awe. They made him cry in their greatness, in their beauty, in their just profound beingness. And so I just find that particular sentence inspiring. The great, the greatness of the great. What a beautiful thing to contemplate. To him, the divine is reflected through his masters upon Saturn, uh, and this sort of, in a way, almost brings it, dare I say, more down to home. But these interplanetary masters, just are sort of so incredibly advanced, but they are themselves uh, in awe of the of the perfects of Saturn, of course, in the eighth freedom. And then there's this other line. He would rather give up even his present freedom and be cast into the lowest terrestrial astral realms than disobey his masters by even a glance, by even a glance. And it's, it's this really more than anything that, that just gets to me. Even the thought, of disobedience is, is an error in itself. It's a falling away. It's a splinter. It's a splinter in one's eye, so to speak, to even possibly consider. There's one particular thing I'd like to relate to the master in that, but before I do, this is what something else that came to me when I reread this earlier today. Dare I say it reminded me of a poem I wrote many years ago called A Meditation And there's a line in this poem that I think anybody reading this poem would have difficulty to understand. But to me, not only is it clear, but it ties in with this rather give up his present freedom and be cast into the lowest terrestrial astral realms than disobey his masters by even a glance. And I just want to read this, not long, but this poem, which is called A Meditation. And I write, deep within the confines of my mind, the window with the sun against my side, I glanced a piece of nothing there, and knew it was my pride. Where does one go? Where is one? Then asking, is it me? I cried ten thousand, thousand tears. I touched this unity. The heartache and the reverence, the Godhead standing near. I knew there was no settlement. The cost was much too dear and the poem goes on. But it's, it's those lines, I knew there was no settlement, there was no bargaining point, there's no deviance or turning back or exchange, the, the, because the cost, the cost of, of, of deviance, if you like, from the Godhead was too dear. So that, you know, is, was sort of very personal. And last of all, I think the master was very conscious of this line in The Nine Freedoms because he knew that we didn't follow his instructions in the way that he'd necessarily given them and or sort of thought we had a better way of doing something. And uh, he he was conscious of that. And he just knew that it was terrestrial foible and weakness. And he had, I suppose, regrettably and reluctantly to make allowance for it. You know, the the real masters, they they don't disobey their masters by even a glance. But when you look at the the greatness of the great and what we're a part of and where we're going, it just is incredibly awe-inspiring. And that is why I have chosen this passage.
0: Well, uh, really good to hear Paul reading one of his... I do remember Paul's poems, yes, and uh, a very, very insightful uh, poem. That was written, I think, a long time ago by Paul, and this incredible revelation there about the the whole psychology and deference, total deference, of these cosmic masters to uh, their Saturnian masters. Uh, it is a, it is indeed a, a lesson to all of us. Uh, what what say you, Darren?
3: Yeah, I think interesting what he said there about the poem as well. I mean, I got chills just uh, listening to him read that, just, mm. you know, reflecting on, you know, the profundity of some of the points as, a, as reflected in the Nine Freedoms. And certainly interesting what he says there about, you know, once you realize God, you also realize the cost of turning away from it in that way. But I guess there's a couple of things he said too, that you know, perhaps some listeners might might think sound a bit strange, you know, that people didn't always follow Dr. King's instructions, even though he was a, a master, and assuming a proven master to them. You know, I'm not judging. I wasn't there. But, you know, you were very close to Dr. King and, and worked directly with him every day for a long period. So I was interested in what, you know, your own experience of that was.
0: Yes. Um, well, I think it does need explanation because you, it's, I certainly want to be clear here. People weren't going around deliberately disobeying Dr. King's instructions. <laughs> they wouldn't have okay, been okay. there if, they, if they'd wanted to do that. I think what Paul is referring to, I mean, Paul had a particular role to play, and he, he was close to Dr. King for the last few years of his life in a particular capacity as an aide, really, as one of the aides uh, helping him. And there's no doubt uh, that there were people um, who didn't obey Dr. King's instructions perfectly. I think partly it was memory. It was forgetfulness. It was human foible. I don't believe there were people going around saying, well, he told me to do this, but I'm going to do that. Um, Or if if Mm -hmm. that did happen very rarely, I I can't at this point, at this moment, think of an example. I can, though, think of people who disagreed with Dr. King. And they wouldn't have disagreed with him, let's be clear here, on on, um, metaphysical, occult, um, philosophical matters at all, ever. But might have disagreed with him on procedure over mm. certain types of tasks. And they would um, say this. And often they'd be wrong. Um, I, I think, though, for the most part, even such people, I'm certainly not going to name any names, would still have obeyed him. They would, even if they did disagree. <laughs> And isn't mm. that the point there? Uh, it's about obedience as opposed to agreement. Um, people might find it very strange to hear that anyone could have even disagreed with him. Uh, that, I, I must say, I was in a very unusual position in that I was told by Dr. King, uh, in the la- say the last 10 years of his life, uh, actually instructed by Dr. King to disagree with him if it was an important matter. Now, I don't know whether anybody else was so instructed, by the way, other than Lady Monarch, his wife. So that may or may not have applied to other people, but it did apply to me, which I found extremely difficult. And I didn't always get it right. Um, having said that, again, it wasn't a question of disagreeing with Dr. King on anything of a metaphysical, occult, spiritual nature, but it was a question of. Uh, I don't know which would be the most suitable sh- holy shape to be manufactured next time, um, or even matters to do with publicity. And there were even occasions when Dr King did change a decision he, he had made in the light of such disagreement. So, you know, bearing in mind he was in a very limited um, position and he sometimes didn't have access in his ordinary Earth physical body to all the information required about this or that or the other, Um, he certainly at times, certainly in my case anyway, needed it. Now, always he could overrule me. Um, I I had a particular, I mean, this may be interesting to some uh, listeners, that I had an instruction actually from a cosmic master given in a mental transmission, and this master was from a, a place called Central Control, which is to do with this solar system and the and certain of the things that happen in it. Um, and that instruction was that because of the position I was in, um, I had to be willing to tell Dr. King things, even when he didn't always want to hear them. Now, again, mm. I don't know if anybody else had such an instruction. I didn't like that very much at all. I didn't always get it right. But I, I did do that. So it was an unusual thing. So I, I just want to stress the difference between sometimes having a di- disagreement on procedure or how an instruction, the best way to carry out an instruction, and uh, sort of going around thinking, oh, he's wrong and I'm right. Now, I'm not going to say that never happened. Human beings, I think what Paul's referring there to are the human foibles of ordinary terrestrial people as opposed to the sort of impeccable cosmic intelligence um, who would be way, way, way above that.
3: Yes, I think one of the interesting points you made there is about a, obedience, actually, because, you know, kind of in a modern society, that, well, in Western culture, at least, that's kind of frowned upon. But in Eastern mystical circles, that would have been the way that you would have interacted with, you know, your master as a disciple. I uh, thought maybe yeah. you could elaborate on that. Yes,
0: bit. well, you see, the other thing was uh, that um, I was extremely fortunate to be a very close friend of Dr. King's, and he, and mm. he, and he of mine, I mean, I was on the phone to him every day, at least once a day, if I wasn't with him. And so, you know, one would go out, one would go to dinner, one would travel various places, had the honor sometimes to travel alone with him and driving in the car and all the rest of it. So I I used to wonder how such a thing could happen because of the massive gulf of evolution between Dr. King and myself. Mm-hmm. I realised the only way that that could work, and I, certainly with hindsight, I realise, is because I fully, fully knew what he was, as far as anyone can know, and I knew what I am, and and he knew, and I knew. So there was no pretence; it was a completely real thing. So it could flip at a moment from a friendly chat over a drink to, you know, Richard this, and yes, Master that, and to Lawrence. You're not mm. at the adept stage. You don't have a right to an opinion on this. It could flip okay. very quickly, and I fully accepted that. So that that's where the obedience comes in, and I, you know, because all the time uh, there was no pretense. It was something that it wasn't. Uh, I think that's actually could extend beyond the master-student relationship. But I, I think it is unusual to be mm. able to, and, and very privileged to, despite this massive difference. To still be able to have that personal relationship and that's really because I wanted to help him and he certainly will transform my life because service is the jewel in the rock of attainment